Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send us an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. In this message, Pastor Chad Gilligan talks about the church as Christ's body. We will learn that when the body is healthy, it will naturally grow, be productive, and be alive. Grab your Bibles, whether you have it in a print or a digital form. We're going to jump right in this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. So glad that you're here wrapping up our time in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Next week, we're going to start a whole new series of messages called Before and After. And we are going to be for the next few weeks in Ephesians chapters 2 and 3. And we are going to look at how many of you know that there are events that happen sometimes that we are different after that event than we were before it. Do you know what I mean? And there's a before and there's an after. Ephesians 2 and 3 talk to us about the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. And so we are going to look at that before and after. But we're going to wrap up today where we started last week, finishing up Ephesians chapter 1. Let's just jump in and read it. If you remember, this is the end of a prayer that Paul wrote. He's praying this for a church that he loves. He reminds them of what they have in Jesus Christ. And once he gets going, he can't slow down. He kind of builds it up to this this big point where he's just talking about God and his power and who Jesus is. And here's what he says, Ephesians chapter one, verse 22. He says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And last week we started talking about the church. And out of these two verses, there were, there were two things that we saw. The first is this, that Jesus is the head of the church and that the church, number two, that the church is his body. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body. And so last week we talked about what it means that Jesus is the head of the church, that he is above all, that he is the one that gives us guidance and direction. He is the one who, because of who he is and because of being the head of the church, he is the one who gives us life and ultimately that Jesus is Lord. And we reach this conclusion from scripture that if Jesus isn't Lord of all, then maybe he isn't Lord at all in your life, but that he desires for all of us, every part of us, to make him our Lord and our Savior. And so last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus is the head of the church. Today, we're gonna focus on this idea that the church is his body, that the church is his body. And I don't wanna, we use this analogy. Paul uses it a lot in his different letters in the New Testament, where he refers to the church as the body of Christ, the body of Jesus Christ. And I don't wanna just look at it in the idea of just a body today. I wanna hone in a little bit more. How many of you have ever um, just been really just kind of sick? Have you ever just, like you got the flu and you're just down? Do you know what I mean? Do you feel at your best when you have the flu? (laughs) I don't want the church to be a body with the flu. I want it to be a healthy body. And there's a big difference between a body that's healthy and a body that's unhealthy, right? You know the difference that's in you when you feel good and when you don't. And I wanna talk about the church as a healthy body because the bottom line is this. You know, we, we as a church talk about different things and we wanna see the church grow and we wanna see the church be effective and we wanna see the church make a difference and we wanna see the church um, uh, create things, produce things. We wanna we want see the church um, move forward, but that won't happen unless the church is healthy, right? 
But if a body is healthy, then it will naturally grow. If a body is healthy, it will naturally be alive. It will be active. It will be productive if the body is healthy. And so what I want to talk today about is what Paul is referencing here. What does it mean for us to be a healthy church? And that's key. In fact, as as Calvary's pastor, and I think I say this for our staff, of all of our goals, probably the most important thing is that we stay healthy as a church because if we're healthy, then good things will naturally be produced as a result, right? I mean, that's true in your physical body, the way you eat and the way that you exercise and how you live, and it's certainly true of the body of Christ as a church. So let me talk to you based out of Ephesians 1, and then we're going to Jump over in Ephesians 3 right at the end as well. What does it mean for us to be a a healthy body? Three things that I want you to see. Here's the first one. Number one, that a healthy body is full of life. A healthy body is full of life. It is going to be life-giving. It is going to be filled with life. You know that to be true in your own body. When you're sick and when you're down, you don't feel like doing anything. Man, I remember about a year ago, I I got just slammed with the flu or something that just had me down on the couch for a couple of days. And I hated it. That just wasn't, you ever just been sick and it's driving you crazy because you can't do anything? You know what I mean? Some of you are like, I kind of would like a few sick days. And that's different. I mean, something different. But that's that's a different thing. And I remember as soon as I started feeling healthy again, man, I was just dying to get up off that couch and do something. Because when you're healthy, you want to be active. You want to be productive. You want to do something. Where does that health and that life come from? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23 tells us this. Speaking of the church, it says that it is of Jesus himself. It is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So do you see what he says about the church? He says that Jesus is the one who fills everything. He fills everything with who he is in every way. He is the source. He is the life. And the church, his body, is supposed to be the expression of that fullness to the world. It is the one, he says, that is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are to be a healthy body as the church that is filled with life, and the world should see that. That should come out of us. That should be seen in how we live our lives. And let me, let me just push the pause button here for just a minute and help you with this. We're gonna get three things today about the church. And I want you to understand this. These principles aren't just true about the church. These are biblical principles that I believe are true about the church, but it's also true about whatever other body you're a part of. It's true about your personal life. It's true about your family. These three things that are, we are gonna look at, if these aren't true about your family, then your family's not gonna be healthy. If you're in some kind of leadership role in your workplace, maybe you own your own business or you're leading other people, if these things aren't true about you in in your workplace, then that place isn't gonna be healthy. These are traits of anything that is healthy, and if you want your life or your business or your family or if we want our church to be healthy, these are things that are true, and it's gotta start with this, that it's filled with life, and the source of that life is Jesus. Thank you for saying that with such confidence and affirmation. The source of that life is? That's what I'm talking about, right? That's who he is, and he brings us life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A healthy body is full of life, and Jesus brings life to the world through the church. That's how he's chosen to do it. Not through just signs in the sky. Not just through angelic messengers. 
When he wanted the world to know how great he was, he said he's gonna do it through us, the body of Christ. That's really key for us to see. And important for us to understand because in our day and culture, there are a lot of people who have a lot of misunderstandings about the church, about what the church is really all about. Wouldn't you say that's true? I mean, if you ask people in culture or if you watch it in media or even, here's, here's just the ultimate truth. There's some crazy people out there in the name of Christianity, right? I mean, in fact, they might be sitting next to you right now. There are some crazy people who are out there who say, hey, I'm a Christian. And people go, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't wanna be like that. Some of you are taking that too far and you're gonna pay for it, I'm telling you. But there's a misunderstanding about what the church is and what happens as a result is that it keeps people from experiencing the life that's available in the church through Jesus Christ. Here's, here's just a, an analogy that might help you to understand this. Um, years ago, I had a couple end up in my office and they were, they were as close to divorce as you can come. I mean, they were, just, they, were, they were just about to pull the trigger. It was done, it was over, they'd done the research. I was the last um, chance, and believe me, you do not want me to be your last. You're, you're doomed at that point, right? It's all over. So they're sitting there, and what had happened is there hadn't been much communication between the two of them. There'd been a lot of yelling, been a lot of fighting, been a lot of accusations, but they hadn't really communicated. So in that moment, we began to talk, and they began to tell their story, and what was really interesting was as they told their story, they started asking each other some questions. And they got down to the root of something that was really interesting. See, the husband was believing some things about the wife that he had been told by this other woman. And the wife was believing some things about the husband that she had been told by this same other woman. And this woman was telling the husband and wife things that were not true because she was trying to get in and break up their marriage so that she could, you know, spend a little time with the husband. And they had both begun believing lies that weren't true about the other person, and as a result, it had brought destruction to their marriage. And when they were able to call out the lies and look at the truth, all of a sudden they realized that their reaction to things that weren't true was destroying the most important relationship that they had. They just didn't realize it because they were buying into the lie. Does that make sense? We have a whole culture that buys into misconceptions and lies about the church. And as a result, do you know what they miss out on? the life to the full that Jesus promises to give. So let's just take a minute real quick. I wanna clear up a couple of misconceptions, some ideas. People are quick to say, well, the church is all about rules and religion. The church is just a group filled with hypocrites. Let me point out a couple of things to you. Is there rules and religion in some churches that are unhealthy, yes or no? Yes. Are there some hypocrites in the church? Yes. Are you one of them? Yes. Right? Of course, I don't always live up to it. That's why I need a savior. But it's important for me to realize that and help the world to understand that this isn't about hypocrisy. This is about my quest to be holy and let Jesus change my life. What's this look like? Let me give you just a couple of snapshots to think about this. The first is this. The church is not a place but people. The church is not a place but people. When people talk about church, they think of it as a place I need to go to, that it's something I need to do. I gotta check it off my weekend to-do list. Church, done, did it, that's all it is. When really, if you bring it right down to what is the church, it's not a place, it's the people. It's the people of God. Now look, I think buildings are important to churches. If we didn't, we wouldn't have moved here to this building on Conant Street. 
And we believe that God uses buildings to communicate who he is with people in unique ways. And we can talk about that a lot. I just know this, that God called us to come to this building and it has been strategically important in us being able to communicate the good news of the gospel through the church to people in our community. It's, it, God uses buildings. But if something happens to 1360 Conant Street, is Calvary Church still gonna exist? Thank you, because I'm not going anywhere. Are you? I mean, right? Thanks. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because we are the body of Christ, not this building. It's the church, it's the people. And that's key for us to see and understand. However, as we talk about that, sometimes do you know what the challenge is in the church? The people, right? Were you ever a kid where you did that little thing where it was like, this is the church, this is the steeple? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, open the doors and see all the, nah, let's just close the doors, right? There's these times where you're like, the last thing I want to see is the people. Because as much as God loves people, we're flawed, right? And sometimes the thing that has pushed other people away from the church is people who have not been a good representation of who Jesus Christ is. So what's important for us to understand is this. Here's a second thing to see, that the church is not perfect people, but forgiven people being made perfect. Now let's think about this for a moment. Some people feel like they can't come to church because church is just for perfect people. It's just for people who have their act together. Look, just take a look around, right? It's us. We don't have everything together, but we know this. We know we're not perfect, but we know we're forgiven. And that because of what Jesus Christ did for us, not only are we forgiven, but we are in the process of being made perfect. Now, you're never gonna be, well, let, me, let me help here. How many of you men are married to a perfect spouse? Amen, I'm trying to help you win right now. Yes, good, thank you guys, you can thank me later. Yes, good call, brother, thank you, right? Some of you, yes. However, we know this, nobody's perfect. We will be perfect on that day when we stand before Jesus Christ. When we see him face to face, but until then, we're gonna have our imperfections, but we have forgiveness, right? And God is in the process of making us perfect in his likeness, in his image. The beauty of it is that it happens the most in the places where I'm the least. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, here's what Paul says. God was uh, challenging him, and he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. We're not perfect, but we know who is. And we know that even through our weaknesses, even through our failures, he's making us more like him, which then takes us to this thought that is so critical for people to understand that the church is not about rules, but relationships. Church is not about rules, but relationship. I encounter people all the time. I was sitting in my office with a friend a couple weeks ago who's just coming back to church. And he says, I was away from church for a long time because when I used to go to church, it was only about what I did wrong and who I wasn't supposed to be. And now I'm finding out it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's about the relationship that I can have with Jesus Christ. 
Listen to how Peter describes the church. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, he says this. And, and think of these descriptions. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Does that sound like rules? No, that's about relationship. That's about God choosing you. That's about who he's made you, who he's called you to be, not about what you have to live up to. So you're in relationship with him. And too many times we miss out on the beauty of what we've been called to be as the body of Christ because we try to make it about what we do or how we earn it instead of who he is and what he's done for us. Man, we could spend a lot of time there. In fact, we'll look at that whole concept again here in a couple weeks when we get to um, this, this before and after series. But church is more than just what we do or where we go or how we try to fool other people with how religious we are. The bottom line is this, because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, it changes me. And I can be a part of something that is full of life and life that comes from him. If the church is gonna be a healthy body, then number one, a healthy body is full of life. Let me give you the second thing. Number two, second thing that we see here about the the body of Christ is this, that a healthy body is united. A healthy body is united. And I tried to find a word that we could could hang on to, and there's lots of different ways to express this. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll let scripture unpack it here in just a moment. But a healthy body is united in who it is and what it does. Let's just talk about it this way. Have you ever injured a part of your body and then it, it affected and hindered the way that you could move? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you, um, if, if, you, if you break a bone or if you do something to your back or if you wake up some morning and you've got a, you know, a crook in your neck, right? How's that affect you? Man, it affects every part of you. You limp, you barely move, you can't move along because there's something that's here that's not in line. It's not united in your body, so it affects your effectiveness, it affects your strength, it affects your ability to move forward. And Paul says over and over again to us that the church is to be a body that is united. What does that mean? There's probably no place that better expresses this in what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And what I wanna do this morning is, is read for you directly from scripture how Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. Now, in advance, there's, there's a lot here, okay? We're gonna read a long passage of scripture. In fact, some of you have the, um, the, the Bible app on your phones or your tablets that comes up on the screen that you can look at for the notes. And, and somebody just told me after the last... Um, service, there's some kind of malfunction in there, and so it's even longer than it needs to be, and maybe that's the Spirit telling you need to read this more. I don't know what that means, but, um, but we're going to read this, and we're going to read it today out loud. Now, I know what happens when I read long passages of Scripture. You start thinking about lunch and the Browns game and all this kind of stuff, so here's what I want you to do. We're going to put the words up on the screen so that you can kind of follow along as I read this, and we're going to read it from what's called the message version of the, of the Bible. A, a scholar named Eugene Peterson took the Greek New Testament and he translated it into English and he really tried to translate it in a way um, that's, that's very clear for us to understand. And in some places, he kind of took his liberties with that. And, and so if you're following along like in your NIV or your King James, you're gonna go, I don't, I don't know what this is all about. It doesn't seem to match up because he kind of took his liberty. But what he did was give us a really good commentary on what Paul's trying to say here. Okay, so follow along with me. This is powerful what he says here about what it means for the church 
to have unity as the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. He says, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained in one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning and said, I'm limpid and expressive? I, I don't even, I'm not even sure I know. I told you it's a little different. You're not the King James. It says, if ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. This isn't King James, right? What we have is one body with many parts, each its own proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower, you give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? (laughs) Took his liberties here. But you get the point, right? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Do you see what he's saying there? It doesn't happen without unity. 
Unless we're united as the body of Christ, the body isn't healthy. It doesn't function. There's this, and I won't take time to, to go there, but Psalm 133, I would encourage you to take some time and read that. And it tells us that without unity, the church can't be what God wants it to be. Because unity brings pleasure, and it brings anointing, and it brings blessing. This is critical for us to see. And here's what's so important here, because it works just like your body, right? So think about this. A unified body nurtures what gives strength. If there are things that are gonna make you stronger, then you're gonna do those things. You're gonna nurture that because you want to have that strength. By the same token, a unified body addresses what is potentially unhealthy. If there's something that's unhealthy there, you're gonna deal with it. So think of it in this way. It, a healthy body has this common heartbeat through all the parts that circulates blood through all the parts. And if we are a healthy body as the church, then we all have the same heartbeat. We have the same purpose it's Jesus Christ. At Calvary, we believe that we're called to life change. That's what, that's what causes our heart to beat. And we know this, that if there are things that could jeopardize that, we're gonna deal with those things. What is not healthy must be removed or it becomes toxic, right? Think about it. If you, if you get some kind of foreign object in your body, you gotta deal with it, right? If somebody finds a tumor, do you just ignore that and hope it'll go away? No, it's gotta come out or it's gonna be destructive. We have to remember that what brings illness has to be aggressively dealt with before it makes you sick. Think about this, because some of you, you are OCD junkies on this thing. We are about to go to cold and flu season. How many of you are gonna use hand sanitizer like it's going out of style for the next six months? Why? Because you don't want anything nasty getting into this body. And we need to think the same way about the church. There are attitudes that can be toxic. Sin can bring destruction. When you and I bring our personal agendas and try to put those over top of God's heartbeat, it's unhealthy for the body. Does that make sense? So as a body, we must make a determination that we will be unified, that we will focus on what God wants to do. See, it's not my role to make sure that everybody else has unity. It's my role to make sure that I bring unity. That I, that I do it on my part and then watch and see what God can do to deal with my pride and my selfishness, to not let my past hurts or fears affect what God wants to do in the future, to address my lack of health or my bad theological diet. It's up to me to say, God, what can I do to help bring unity? Here's a great place to start. Did you know this? There are 59 one another scriptures in the New Testament. There are 59 places, and we'll look at this maybe sometime in the future, 59 places where scripture says that we need to do something to one another, that we love one another, that we encourage one another, that we build up one another. Those scriptures are there, why? Because when we do that, it brings unity, and a healthy body is unified. Number one, a healthy body is full of life. Number two, a healthy body is unified. And very quickly, number three, a healthy body has a purpose. A healthy body has a purpose. This has gotta be true of your family. This has gotta be true of your personal life. Let me tell you, it's really true of the church. Because if the church has no purpose, if we don't keep in mind what we exist for, then we just kind of drift. We just kind of become a club. We just show up to do something on Sundays. And the church is a whole lot more than that. Ephesians chapter three, verse 10. Here's what Paul says about the church Speaking of God, he says his intent, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's a lot of theology here, but here's what he's saying. He says, look, God's purpose was this, that he wanted to show both on earth and in heaven that his plan was right, that he had done something amazing, that he had conquered death, that the cross changed everything, that he defeated sin and brought life to mankind, that he had a plan for all of eternity, and he's gonna show it off, he's gonna prove it, and the way that he does it is not with signs in the heavens, the way that he does it is not through angelic visitors, the way that he does it is not just by showing off, the way that he does it is through you, he does it through the church and he wants everything in heaven and on earth to know that he is God the fullness of who he is and he does it through the church Friday night I had this really just a cool experience I um, you know part of my my role as a minister is from time to time to officiate a wedding and uh I had a chance Friday night to officiate a wedding for a guy who, when we first came to Calvary 17 years ago, he was in the children's ministry. And so literally, I've watched this dude grow up, and uh, it was a privilege to be there and to officiate his wedding and just to see his heart and his pathetic nervousness before the ceremony, you know, that just kind of, it's just so cute, you know, you see that, and so then there's, you know, we pray together, and then there's the moment where you wait, and the moms come in, and the moms sit down, and then that's our little cue, and so I button my jacket, and you gotta stand kind of stately, and then you go walking out, you know, and you gotta go out there to your spot, and then, you know, he's over here, and he's just kind of doing his thing, he's the man, you know, he's about to get married, and I'm the clergy, at that point, I'm just, I'm just eye candy, right, and I'm just standing there, you know, and think, I don't know what you're laughing at. And this thing is uh, happening, right? And so, you know, the music's happening and the, the bridesmaids start coming down the aisle and you see this taking place. And sometimes, you know, you've been to a wedding. Sometimes you get the flower girl, you get the ring bearer, you got all this drama that happens. And then all of a sudden, right, music shifts. Air kind of leaves the room. Back doors whoosh, fly open, Right? <laughs> Mom of the bride over here, she shoots to her feet. Everybody else stands up. They all turn their attention, and here comes the bride. The most important, most beautiful day of her life. And everybody in the room turns, and you get the, oh, or you get the, oh, right? You get that, you know, that all, oh, she's so beautiful, isn't she? You know, that kind of thing. That all happens in that moment. And it's a powerful moment. Here's what I usually do. I usually actually don't look that much at the bride. Usually, I kind of turn and watch the dude. Because it's a really cool moment when he looks up and sees her coming down that aisle, sometimes for the first time that day, right? And there's this moment. I literally, I did a wedding this spring where when she hit that back door, he literally went. (laughs) Best moment of his life. I am telling you, he was out of his league. (laughs) Man, I watch, okay? I'm looking. How's this dude gonna respond? And you see it. You watch the eyes. This guy Friday night, man, he was trying to hold it all together, but there was that little tear right over here. He had that look. That look of, wow. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. My whole life, this is, this is what I expected. And you know what just happened? The minute that those doors opened, everybody in this room turned and said, that's his bride. <laughs> that's, that's his that's his life. That's his plan. That's, man, look at that dude. Look at, look at what happened in that moment. This is what Paul is talking about here. You know that in scripture, the church is not just called the body of Christ, but it's also called the bride of Christ as well, right? Have you heard that? 
And and the scripture tells us this. If you read about what's going to happen in the end times when Jesus comes back, what happens is he is the bridegroom and we, the church, are his bride. And what happens after Jesus returns is that we come together, bride and groom, the way it was designed to be. And what Paul is saying here is that through the church, through the bride of Christ, God is saying, look, my plan worked. (laughs) This is what it was supposed to be. I told you I loved the world. I told you I could conquer death. I told you I had all power. And the way I'm going to show you is in no other way but that through my redeemed people changing the world and bringing Jesus to society, making a difference in their everyday lives, in their homes, in their families, in their business, both in heaven and on earth, you know how I'm showing off? I'm showing off through the church. And someday, God is going to open up those back doors and all of creation, scripture says, is going to turn and go, we are the bride of Christ. We miss that when we fail to live for him. When we get sloppy in our faith. When we think that sin doesn't matter. When we think that the church is just some institution. It's just some building. Or it's just some club. Here's the truth, friends. It's all over scripture. The church is the hope of the world. He has no other plan. You know how he said he was gonna do it? Through sorry me and sorry you when his power is at work in us and he's in the process of making us perfect. That's how he says he's gonna change the world. It's through the church that God intends for his message to be known on earth and in heaven. That's how he's gonna change the world. And I don't want you for a minute to think that the church doesn't matter or even worse, that you don't matter because God has called you as his church to be the hope of the world. Now, real specifically, just before we're done, I want to break this down um, into just two quick thoughts. I know I'm not going to talk to everybody in this next minute, but I am going to talk to some of you. And for some of you, it was good for you to hear how important the church is. Not church attendance, not church offerings, but being a part of the body and the difference that can be made. For others of you, it's, it's not just time to be involved, it's actually time to be included. Because today, as I talked about the body of Christ, you would say, um, I'm not so sure I'm really a part of that. <laughs> I don't know that I'm really a part of a church, not in membership, not in attendance, but in my heart. Because it starts with where we left off last week, with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as I pray this last prayer for us today, your prayer might not be one where you get involved. It might be one where you say, God, I just wanna be included. (laughs) Jesus, I need your grace and your forgiveness. I need you to change my story. And today I need your salvation in my life. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And I wanna pray. And if you'd say, Chad, would um, would you include me in your prayer? I'm gonna pray with you. Because what I need today is not just to be involved, I need to be included in the body of Christ. I need Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior, and today 
I surrender my life to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? God's speaking to your heart. Yeah, thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Man, yeah, you'd say, look, it's, it's not just for me about getting involved. God, I need to be a part of your body. I need your salvation and your forgiveness. Here's what I'm gonna ask. If you raised your hand, or if you're here and you know that you're a part of the body of Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sins. Not because of rules, not because of religion, because in your great plan, you wanna have a relationship with me. I ask for your forgiveness. I surrender my life to you today. Help me to be a part of your body in Jesus' name, amen. And Father, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.